Welcome back and thanks for joining us this week for Seen and Heard, industry updates for the modern dairy family. I'm Jarby Toth, the Technical Field Services Representative with Western United Dairies. And I'm Melissa Lima, North Coast and Organic Field Services Representative. We're really excited about today's show. Darby, what's on tap for our listeners this week? Well, we're about to learn a little bit about Louis Borba, WUD's first vice president. He shares a little bit about himself and also talks about what changes have come to their dairy over the past several weeks. Then we'll join at Annie Akmoody, WUD economist, with a short update on the markets, followed by Paul Souza, our director of environmental affairs, who will be sharing a bit about the AMP grant process. We'll be joined by Anya Radabaugh, our CEO, who will share an update with us on WUD's efforts in Sacramento and federally over the past few weeks, including some refreshing news about donations to those in need. And then finally, you and I will have a frank conversation about producer mental health during these uncertain times. Great. That sounds like an awesome lineup. So let's jump right in with Louie. We're excited to welcome Louis Borba, uh, Western United Dairyman's newly elected first vice president. Louis is here to share a little bit about himself. Um, so welcome, Louis. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Louis, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your involvement with Western United Dairymen? So um, in 07, I did the West United leadership class. It was really good. Um, got a lot of information out of, the, out of that course. And then a couple years later, I was on the, on the delegate board. And then I got on the board as a fill-in for one of the board members who couldn't fulfill his commitment. And then I've been on the board ever since. Well, we're glad to have you, Louie. Um, so can you talk to us a little bit about um, some of the things WUD's been up to in recent weeks? Well, we're in a whole new environment with all the COVID-19. So having the outreach support um, with things that are going on in Washington with stimulus packages, programs that can help us and um, ways to help us deal with our employees has been a big help. You mentioned COVID-19, Louie. Can you tell us a little bit about what changes you guys have had to implement on your farm in relation to that coronavirus COVID-19? Um, yeah, basic information. Right when it first came out, talking to the guys, asking them if they have any questions. And then when the stay in order um, got implemented, kind of went over that went over it with them that hey we are essential to the workforce they need food we got to keep coming to work but on the same hand um, make sure that they're comfortable coming to work um, that they're healthy um, trying like I told them I'm just I'm, I'm home and I, I'm, I'm at home and I'm going to the dairies so I'm not going out I'm not mingling with other people and I advise them to kind of do the same thing stay in stay in our little circle and we have and we've been pretty you know doing pretty well um and then recently with the masks um they're hard to come by so i had some masks made by a lady um, in town so every guy has a mask um basically advise them like the milkers are they're in close quarters so they wear a mask um, but the outside guys if they're working by themselves um, they have it on them. They just don't wear them until they come within six feet of another employee. And just basic, basically just talking it almost every day on how they're feeling and making sure that, you know, if, they're, if there's anybody feeling 
any illness that they're there to stay home and go to the doctor. Great. It sounds like you're doing a good job of protecting yourself and your employees and also the food supply. And I know a lot of other dairymen have had to make similar changes. So thanks for all the hard work you've been doing, Louie. And thanks for your dedication to Western United Dairies Board. We really appreciate you visiting with us today. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Melissa and Louie. If members would like more information on how to talk to your employees or what precautions you should take around the dairy in light of COVID-19, please don't hesitate to reach out to your field reps or call the WET office at 209-527-6453. Up next, let's check in with Annie for this week's market update and Paul Souza for a review of the CDFA AMP program. Hi listeners, it's time for your weekly market update which I will not linger on today because the ominous CME prices that we've been seeing for a few weeks finally made their way to USDA pricing. And the impact was more like ripping a Band-Aid than a slow progression. So the pain was particularly striking for USDA butter prices, which lost 38 cents this week. They're now down at $1.2395 per pound. And if this wasn't bad enough, CME butter prices continue to descend, and so they reach $1.14 per pound this week, which is a price that is bringing flashbacks of 2009. Um, obviously, nobody likes to hear that. As a reminder, USDA prices tend to lag CME prices, and so since CME prices have been going on for a few weeks now, they're finally catching up with USDA prices. But USDA prices are the only ones that are having a direct impact on your FMMO price formula. So at least the delay was helpful and really sparing us the past few weeks of CME ugliness. So what I'm mentioning, you know, the butter $1.14, that does not have an impact on your milk check currently, although it could be a sign of what is coming to USDA prices if it stays that way. Uh, USDA block cheese prices managed a second largest loss and they declined by 17 cents this week to $1.6469 per pound. This almost feels like a win in light of what's going on in the CME, though, because block prices settled at a dollar flat per pound this week. Um, USDA barrel prices dropped 12.5 cents to $1.3534. Um, so a lot of declines for the commodities and even USDA's not fed milk price, which really has been slow moving, you know, in recent weeks, managed a loss of nearly a dime this week, which made it dead below the dollar mark. USDA drywood prices were practically steady. They lost only 0.6 cents to uh, 37 cents per pound. So could almost call that a win. This marked the seventh consecutive week the drywood price averaged in the 30 cents range. Um, and so a little bit of stability on drywood prices. With all this kind of declining news, that means that we're uh, looking at an April price potentially um, $2 below uh, where March was. So in the middle of all this catastrophic price turn, Obviously, USDA is fully aware of the pain that's coming down to dairy farms. Um, this is why there's $9.5 billion that was set aside through the CARES Act for ag commodities. But that $9.5 billion for ag commodities has um, not been announced how it will be, it'll be split yet. So when are dairies going to get their share of that financial assistance? That is a question that we've been getting a lot this week, and I understand um, everybody wants to know. But unfortunately, USDA is currently evaluating options. And so the short answer, answer is there is no set date yet. Uh, hopefully, it is sooner rather than later, and we're hopeful that you know we hear this week. But um, you know, as soon as we hear, we will make sure to um, update you. And if you want more details on the proposal, we actually re- released a bonus episode, so you can check that out in our uh, podcast pa- podcast page. So, still at the pace at which things are escalating, we really understand that timeliness is critical here. 
And so I'll still do a brief review of the proposal um, to, to figure out where it stands today. Um, so that proposal was submitted by National Milk Producers Federation, International Dairy Foods Association last week. Wood, MPC, and CDC sent a letter of support for that proposal. But that being said, it's still a proposal. It doesn't mean that USDA will follow, you know, to the, to the T what's in, in the letter that was sent. But as a summary, it would allow a direct payment of $3 per hundred weight for dairy operations who reduced their production 10% from March 2020's volume. The program would be temporary and run from April to September, so farmers could decide if they wanted to participate for a few months or all of them. The second portion of the proposal would focus on purchasing dairy products, donate to food banks, who will continue to see increased needs as the economy struggles. And really, I think this part, um, you know, USDA has authority and has been doing some of that already in the past. And so it seems like a pretty easy thing to uh, move forward and buying just, you know, increased quantities of products. Um, and the final portion of the proposal recommends reopening enrollment for the dairy margin coverage for the year 2020. And as a side note, was latter to USDA did emphasize the need to increase volume covered on tier one if the program was reopened. That's it for this week. So as usual, feel free to send me any questions or comments at Annie at WDairies.com. We'll talk to you next week. Hello again. This is Paul Souza with another environmental update from Western United Dairies. Today, I would like to talk about what's been keeping me busy for the last three months. CDFA released the Dairy Digester Research and Development Program, as well as the Alternative Manure Management Program, also known as AMP, applications in early February of this year. The goal of these programs is to reduce the amount of methane emitted from manure management at dairies. The original deadline to submit applications was March 27th, but that has been moved to April 27th. At this point, there is not enough time to start a new application, but this does provide those who are already working more time. I focused on AMP due to the need I saw in this program. Digester developers have grant writers on staff, but companies that sell equipment for this program do not. So I focused on helping dairies in this area. The goal of AMP is to fund projects that reduce the amount of manure going to lagoons and therefore the amount of methane that is formed. As this implies, you must have manure going to an anaerobic lagoon before you start the project, and after you complete the project, there must be less manure going to the lagoon. AMP practices include mechanical solid manure separators, moving animals into compost bedded pack barns from housing such as flushed freestalls, conversion from flushed manure handling to scrape or vacuum collection with dry manure handling, and increasing the time cows spend on pasture where their manure does not end up in a lagoon. We are working to maintain current levels of funding in these programs for next year also. So if you are interested in future rounds of these programs, or just have questions about them, give me a call or email me at paul at wudairies.com. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Annie and Paul. Next up, we'll throw it back over to Darby, who's joined by WUD CEO Anya Radabaugh. As Melissa mentioned, I'm joined by WUD CEO Anya Radabaugh. Welcome, Anya. Thanks, Darby. Um, Anya joins us this week to chat about a few things, including WUD Sacramento public relations update, WUD's efforts in facilitating dairy product donations, and then we're going to wrap up with an update on animal activist activities and how to protect your farm from their new tactics. 
Anya, can you start by sharing with us a little more about what we've been up to on the state legislative front recently? Happy to do so. Uh, Western United Dairies launched a two-month public relations effort last week that is focused on bringing the human aspect of the dairy industry to Californians as we face this pandemic together. We want to convey the importance of a stable and safe food supply, followed by the dire need to achieve regulatory certainty. As a result of our campaign, these issues are now at the forefront of Sacramento's conversation. The campaign has deployed a blend of earned media, paid media, social media to highlight the impact of COVID-19 on our farms, workers, and families. And can you expand on how our latest approach is different? In the ag industry, we often talk only to ourselves. Woods Board has been hyper aware of this issue for many years, and we recognize that talking to ourselves doesn't often move the needle on public opinion. Because of the collective focus on the COVID crisis, eyes and ears are highly tuned into issues relating to basic aspects of survival. So in tying our issues to those issues, many people outside of ag care about right now, the WED campaign has currently been covered by notable press publications, including the Sacramento Bee, the San Francisco Chronicle, the LA Times, the Chicago Tribune, and the San Jose Mercury News. That's definitely not talking to ourselves. This effort culminated this week with a focus piece by Dan Walters and Cal Matters, which is an independent Sacramento-based political commentary that highlighted the dire need to achieve regulatory certainty in order to achieve a secure local food supply. Lastly, we're very excited to announce that WUD's own board member, Cody Nicholson Stratton, will be interviewed live on CNN with Don Lemon this Sunday, April 19th, between 8 and 10 p.m. As a result of this investment partnership with the California Cattle Council, California's dairy families are now going to a national stage. That certainly sounds like some refreshing progress. Yeah, after all, this is why Western exists, to impress upon policy policymakers and the public that you can and must have a local and secure food supply that isn't being crippled with uncertainty. And speaking of the food supply, can you update us on efforts what and others have been making over the past few weeks to make sure those most vulnerable in our communities have access to healthy, wholesome foods? Sure. The humanitarian crisis in California as a result of the massive and unprecedented unemployment numbers is staggering. Food banks serving vulnerable populations throughout the Central Valley are reporting demand up over 100%. The California Association of Food Banks is reporting that in certain parts of LA, the line for food bank donations is five hours deep and demand continues to skyrocket. The number one requested item at all food banks is milk. Well, that's certainly great to hear, but that doesn't mean it's easy to get milk and other products to these organizations, does it? Correct. It's extremely challenging to get fresh, uh, perishable products to food bank donation lines. Communicating to the public during this crisis the challenges the dairies have had with processing requirements before we can safely make donations has been a really tough topic. This issue combined with reports of milk dumping and crops being plowed under, along with dairy purchasing limits at the grocery store, has resulted in a wave of consumers who are grossly offended by what's happening at the farm level. Typically, a brief explanation of supply and demand, challenge, uh, demand challenges fixes that, but action is desperately needed to address the speed of hunger. That seems like it needs swift action for sure. So what's the strategy? The strategy is to address the food bank demand. Uh, it's not just a one organization show. WUD, California Milk Advisory Board, 
Dairy Council of California, California Fluid Milk Processors Board, California Association of Food Banks, Ag Council, several other dairy trade groups, along with Feeding America, have all been working together to overcome these barriers. And can you remind us again what those barriers are? Yeah. First, the cost of processing dairy products, as in how will they be paid for uh, what they process if a majority of that product is donated. That's the biggest challenge. Second, the cost and logistics around transporting processed product can be uh, a difficult one. And third, proper refrigeration equipment is often lacking in many circumstances. And how are we working to work through those barriers? A lot of progress has been made on the second two items, logistics around transportation and refrigeration storage, but many questions remain about how to pay for the cost of processing dairy products. The short-term solution thus far has been to work with private philanthropic donors, banks, and others who want to assist with paying a third party to purchase processed products. What is recently assisted in facilitating a purchase by a local Bay Area bank of 118,000 pounds of cheese that will go directly to a Bay Area food bank. Another short-term solution, what is seeking to finalize a voucher program through USDA to purchase processed fluid milk and distribute it through the California Association of Food Banks. The midterm solution to these crises will be for USDA to purchase stored cheese, butter, and powder for food bank distribution, but that's gonna take many weeks, if not months, to complete. And the long-term solution, and it looks like this economy is going to suck for a really long time here, will need to involve the entire dairy industry mobilizing around deciding whether or not funding food banks as a customer, rather than as a crisis, is or isn't a priority. As dairies will struggle to survive this crisis just as much as most businesses, rolling the food bank or charitable contributions of regularly dedicated processing capacity could be a consideration by dairy farmers who own their co-ops, for example. Otherwise, the industry is not capable of turning on a dime to churn out product without a customer on the other end and a massive loss at the processing expense. Well, it sounds like some good news and some rough news for sure. So once we've worked our way through the current COVID-19 pandemic, do you think this issue is going to be solved? Not exactly. As of today, the Harvard Journal of Medicine is now estimating that the world can expect a shutdown style pandemic at least once every 10 years. So as an industry, some forward facing thought about how the future will look is a good idea. So that's a lot to think about. So switching gears up a bit, it's not all coronavirus this week, is it? <laughs> Definitely not. We're working on a variety of other issues for our producers. But one thing I wanted to hit on um, before we end is the storm that always seems to be brewing with our friends in the animal activist community. Uh, the animal activists are really out and about right now. They sure are, but not how we typically experience them. After a disastrous attempt at public protest at the state capitol during a shelter, a statewide shelter-in-place order backfired with the local Sacramento police dispersing the five people who showed up, <laughs> anti-animal rights activist organizations have been shifting their forward-facing public strategy. The strategy, which is to tie the outbreak of COVID-19 to livestock production, has transitioned their campaigns against farmers and the industry into digital events and making virtual attacks to networks and domains. Our partner organizations have warned of increased activity starting with a virtual activation this weekend. What does this mean for our farmers who are really active and present on social media? 
Well, they need to really lock down their social media pages, including um, checking the comment functions, making sure that people can't attack them uh, that way. If they wanted to stop comments and stop reviews, that's something they can go into their account settings and do. But Social Compassion and other anti-animal agricultural organizations are choosing to weaponize the wet market issue in China that may have led to the spread of COVID-19 and suggest that dairy and beef production methods in California are somehow a similar threat to public health. This is something Wood is watching intensely and have mobilized our legislative allies in Sacramento to stop this conversation should it start. Interesting. So what can we do or how can we monitor how this message is or is not spreading? Uh, well, you can. there's a few options to prepare and respond for online activism. Uh, there's some reminders here from industry experts about how to protect your channels and engage or not with the activists. You can decide to go dark. If you're attacked on Facebook, consider unpublishing your page for a few days to let things calm down. Report and restrict attackers, which means you can flag or report any individuals harassing you on Facebook or other social medias. You want to delete any negative comments and ban the harassers from your page as soon as possible. And revisit your filters. Uh, review your page settings and add filters so that nothing with certain words can be posted. Also consider blocking people from other countries that might be posting. Some animal rights groups set up fake online accounts just to harass farmers, which can be blocked from your page. If you decide to engage, please engage thoughtfully and determine if what activists are saying merits the criteria for responding. Lead with positivity. Make sure your friends and family also make positive posts to drown out negative commentary. In addition to all of this, should we also be worried about on-farm activations? Yes. As always, be vigilant on your farm and ensure your employees have been properly trained so trespassers attempt to gain entry. Make sure you have your local county sheriff's number in a clear and visible place in your milking barn. And Wood has an emergency text line that notifies dairy farmers when activists are in their area. If you'd like to be placed on that list, you can always email Rochelle at our office or contact your field rep well, thanks, Anya. That was a lot of good information today. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I hope it's useful. As always, producers can contact us directly if they have any questions about our information. All right. Thanks. Thank you. There's certainly a lot of heavy stuff for producers to currently think about. This information lends itself to our next topic. So let's transition over into a discussion Melissa and I had about how all of this can be affecting the mental well-being of our producers. A challenging farm economy, like the one many in agriculture are currently facing, can bring on uncertainty and stress for everyone involved. Keeping personal life and your business in balance can be challenging. Stressful situations can affect your health and ability to focus on what's important. That's why we're here to share some resources for anyone listening about stress and mental health. Obviously, stress and mental health can look very different for every single person, but there are some signs and signals of chronic and prolonged stress that we really want to look out for. Darby, can you tell us what some of these signs are? Sure. So there are outward and inward signs of physical stress, and these can be physical or environmental. A change in routines, increase in illnesses, appearance of the farmstead declining, the care of livestock declining, the number of farm and ranch accident increases, and even children in the family can show signs of stress. Some of the physical signs include headaches, ulcers, backaches, eating irregularities, sleep disturbances, frequent sicknesses, 
periods of exhaustion or panic attacks and heart palpitations, sweating, trembling or shaking, shortness of breath, any sort of chest pain or discomfort, difficulty swallowing, nausea, abdominal distress, lightheadedness, and derealization or depression. Stress can either be short-term and in some cases chronic. We've talked about some signs of these types of stress, but what about signs of depression within farmers and ranchers? That's a great question, Melissa, and one that I'm really passionate about sharing information around. There are also other behavioral health signs of depression and changes in behavioral health to look for in yourself or others, and they can look different for everyone. Many farmers and ranchers struggle with depression. Farm men were more likely to experience depression, especially if they lost something of value, experienced substantial income decline, or faced legal, financial, or health problems. Depression can lead to high-risk behaviors, like an inability to stay calm around livestock and not taking safety precautions, leading to increases in occupational injury. Some physical signs of depression include sadness, weight loss, excessive sleep or insomnia, feeling lethargic or agitated, negative thinking, people problems, feeling worthless or with inappropriate amounts of guilt, and recurrent thoughts of suicide. Are there factors that cause farmers and ranchers to be at a higher risk than the general general population, Darby? There are a lot of factors that put farmers and ranchers at higher risk for suicide or decline in behavioral health. And it's not increased levels of mental illness issues in these people, but the demands of farming. These include farming community culture, occupational and financial stress, retirement transitions, And last but not least, that often farm men especially are expected to be confident, self-reliant, successful, and to keep any of their problems internal and not talk about them. I think a lot of people see these symptoms either in others or themselves, especially during times like this, and often they don't know what to do. Do we have some ideas and resources we could share? Yes. So when you're talking with others who you think might be showing some of these symptoms, Make sure you listen really well to hear the sounds of depression or suicidal thinking. Ask them specific questions about their well-being. Not just, hey, what's up, but how are you doing, George? You must be really going through some things. And be ready to connect with them when you ask, listen, and empathize. Watch out for subtle signs that something isn't right. And don't wait for what you would consider the right or the perfect time to reach out. You can help them connect with local professionals, family members, and others who are important in their life. And if you need to talk to someone or are considering suicide, please call someone you trust, or you can call the national hotline at 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-784-2433. Remember that if you're feeling any of these symptoms, please reach out to someone. You're not the only one feeling this way. And I can share from my own personal struggle that just reaching out and asking for help makes a huge, huge difference. For additional information, including resources, if you or someone you know is struggling, or if you're wondering how to make an effective referral, please look in our show bio for a link to resources, including a great presentation that we based much of this information on. You can also call, text, or email your field representative for any of this information, or if you just need someone to talk to, we're here for you. (music) 
Well, that wraps up our second episode of Seen and Heard. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember to send your comments, questions, and content requests to wud.pod at gmail.com. That's wud.pod at gmail.com. That's right, Darby. And keep an eye out for us on several new platforms in the coming weeks, including Apple. Have a great week, everyone. Have a great week. Special thanks to our Western United Dairies business sponsors, G.A.R. Bennett, Moss Energy Works, California Dairy Magazine, Yosemite Farm Credit, F&R Ag Services, Farm Credit Alliance. We are so grateful to our sponsors and encourage listeners to support them whenever possible. If you'd like more information about business sponsorships or you'd like to sponsor this podcast, please send an email to info at wuddairies.com. That's I-N-F-O at W-U-D-A-I-R-I-E-S dot com.